This past week, my landscaper, whom I'm very close with, and he's been with me for a number of years, he told me that uh, one of his workers that had come out with him uh, working around our house uh, uh, a time or two, he was killed uh, by um, a hit and run. He was on his bicycle, and he was uh, struck. And he's a, an older man, grandfather age. He's a uh, an individual that my landscaper friend had been trying to help. He was fighting addiction of one variety or another. He uh, didn't really have a place to live, so my landscaper friend um, had him just stay with him. Um, and he had been he had known him for fourteen years. Uh, just helping him as much as he can, giving him work where, where he was able to work physically. Um, he took him to the hospital when he needed to go to the hospital. Uh, he had to go several times. He would feed him, help him just in every way practically. Um, became almost family to him. Uh, my landscaper friend has many kids of his own. Um, and uh, anyway... It was a very sad thing when I heard about that because obviously we had talked before when he had been around the house. We had talked um, about the Lord. Uh, never really uh, was able to determine for sure where he was with the Lord. Of course, everyone professes uh, to know the Lord around here. But um, anyway, <clears throat> the sad thing about it was that um, at the funeral, my friend went to the funeral and all these people were there. Just all these people were there. He had children. He had brothers and sisters. And they all drove up in their BMWs and their Mercedes. They were nicely dressed. And he was dumbfounded. He couldn't understand where all these people were for the last 14 years. And he actually told them that. I mean, my friend is uh, not not a confrontational person at all. He's a, a very uh, mild-mannered individual, and but he was telling them, I, I didn't even know he had family. Uh, he was, he almost died several times. He had took him to the hospital. He was trying to help him um, rehabilitate. Um, he didn't have a place to live. And where were you for the last 14 years? Not a single visit. They showed up at the funeral. I said, why do you think they did that? Uh, my friend said, because he had he had life insurance. So they were there to collect life insurance. I was so um, grieved to hear that. And he said even the brother of this man who died was is a, is a preacher. He said the brother is a preacher. And um, anyway, this, this was just a... left a tremendous sour taste in my landscaper friend's mouth. It was just really quite an awful thing. I told him, the Lord sees all this. He sees what you've done and the cup of cold water you've given, and he sees this deceit. And it's really quite an awful thing, and I was very unhappy about it. But I tell you what, I couldn't get my mind away from it. And I was thinking about this passage, just want to share it with you, and obviously we all know this passage in Luke 16 about the uh, the rich man and Lazarus. 
And I just want this to be instructive to us in some way, perhaps helpful. It is to me, it's a little bit of a wake-up call. You know, we're here praying, and um, it's a good thing, and we should be praying. But there's a sense where, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's a sense where talk is cheap. We can pray very easily about a great many things, very loftily too. But um, the Lord can see through our words into our hearts. And uh, things may not always be as they appear, is I think the point of this passage. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores. Um, just It made me think of this man. I mean, if, if there was anyone that sort of fit that description, it seemed to be this, this grandfather figure. <clears throat> just somebody that was ignored, somebody that was maybe embarrassing, but uh, there he was, brought to the gate. And <clears throat> one might wonder, you know, where was this man's friends and family? And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, just adding to the the condition that this man was found in. You know, nobody wants to be around such people, right? And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So, just one one other comment to note. This beggar, he was obviously a believer, and yet you see him there as a beggar. He he didn't come across as somebody who, where the Lord was blessing him, let's say, in this life. And that should be noted, that we should not equate God's blessing and God's favor, and certainly not God's salvation, with what we see. Or, or our condition physically. But this man, he he died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. This is um, seems to indicate that even if people wanted to help in some way, they can't. They can't. There is a great gulf fixed. It is interesting, back in verse 24, where the rich man is asking Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. 
He didn't ask Abraham. He asked for Lazarus to do that. Why is that? Probably because he knew that Lazarus knew him. Remember Lazarus? Me, I was I was the one that you saw every day. There was some sort of a connection there. And um, he thought maybe uh, he would certainly uh, be willing to help him now. But Abraham says, um, even if he wanted to, there's a great gulf fixed. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. At least do that. Send Lazarus. They know him. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have the Bible. They have preachers that preach the Bible. They have the Word of God. They have the revealed, full truth of God. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent, especially if it's this Lazarus. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. It's a very sobering story. This is not called a parable. This is probably, the Lord is citing something in reality here. But very sobering. And like I said, I just want to leave that with you. I was thinking about this this whole situation and how things are not always as they seem. People who are doing well in life, perhaps, and uh, look, we don't lift a finger to help a brother in need. The other passage that comes to mind in Matthew 25. I mean, these are these are the things that, that the Lord is noting, okay? And I just want us to pay attention to them. The Lord says that uh, in verse 34, Matthew 25, the king shall say to those on the right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in naked and clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say to him, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink, etc.? The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then he's going to turn to those to the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. I was hungry, ye didn't give me meat, thirsty, drink, stranger. Then shall they answer him and say, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, a thirst, etc.? Then shall he answer, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. Um, This is uh, the way the Lord sees it. And it it ties in with the whole teaching of James. You know, show me your faith by your works. We're not saved by works. We don't earn anything with God. But real faith produces something. It's like an apple tree with fruit. Last verse, James one twenty seven, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There's a very practical outflowing, not, not earning, but there's a very practical outflowing, outworking 
of our profession, of what we say, of our faith, of our praying even. I just want to have some of that brought into our hearts and for us to meditate on that. Fatherless and widows. Why those two categories? It's because they can give you nothing in return. Widows, they can give you nothing in return. Fatherless, you know, we're not, we're not just trying to do things for people in order to get something from them. We, we serve the lowest, let's say, in society, the fatherless and the widows, the weakest, the hungry, the destitute, those that are alone, those that are afflicted.